0: Hello, welcome to the Basketball Soapbox. I'm your host, Daniel Daly here. Um, This is episode 55 of the Basketball Soapbox, as we are in day two of NBA free agency. Um, Highlighted with the Dame Lillard trade request, finally getting that trade request. Um, The Lakers revamping their roster drastically. A couple of rookie extensions that have also happened. A couple of other guys uh, moving around the league here as we get into it. But first, let's get to the knit and gritty of... Damian Lillard's trade request here. And I want to start there basically because this has been a long time coming um, for the Portland Trailblazers, in retrospect, looking at it, looking at their past history of just not being able to put together anything around Damian Lillard uh, during his time there. Um, But I wanted to touch base on how I think he put them in a bad position. And basically how I think he screwed the Portland Trailblazers. Um, it all started back a little bit ago looking at this because it was just like, yo, Damon, the only way that you're going to get a chance to compete on a big stage is asking for a trade request. Just the way things are working in Portland, even though the market, their ownership, or whatever the case may be, Uh, Paul Allen was originally the owner there, and now his sister is in in charge of things, I believe. I believe Phil Knight wants to buy the team, and she just refuses to sell to him, which I think is very bad for Portland in general. But looking at what they have done historically since Dame has been there, um, of course, they had the Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge uh, duo there for a little bit, and then Brandon Roy got hurt. They added uh, Greg Oden. He got hurt. Had a little something going there with those guys, and then LaMarcus Aldridge decided to leave. And that was his choice, obviously, thinking that Portland wasn't big enough and wasn't going to give him an opportunity to win. He saw that long before Damian Willard did. Um, C.J. McCollum comes into the picture. They form a nice duo um, building something, trying to build Portland, doing what they can with the small uh, small fours that they added on their roster and trying to put together something of a playoff team. They made a couple playoff runs there and eventually got to the Western Conference Finals in 2019. And I thought that was a little bit of a – I don't want to say a fluke, but they kind of accelerated and got past a couple teams. I think it was the Thunder in the first round with Paul George and Russell Westbrook, which I was surprised about because I thought Russell Westbrook and Paul George were going to handle that, and they did not. They ended up falling, I believe, in six. Um, In the next round, I believe they faced that young Denver Nuggets team with Paul Millsap, a little bit older and they won that in seven and then got swept by the Warriors. There's no shame in losing the Warriors, but I think it gave the false perception of what the Portland Trailblazers at that time were. Um, I think they thought that they were title contenders when they made the Western Conference Finals. Obviously, you're there, and it was kind of similar to how Dallas was to me, right? Like a couple years ago when they made the Western Conference Finals and they got swept themselves. Um, I just don't think that... That was who the Portland Trailblazers were. Of course, the bubble season happens. Everything goes off kilter injuries and stuff like that happened to them. But I'm just going to think I'm just going to say that Damian Lillard, by the time with his trade request, was just that he screwed the Portland Trailblazers. Long story short, he screwed the Portland Trailblazers asking for the trade request after the first day of free agency. In my opinion, if Dame wanted to help Portland, he would have did this at the draft. And that's how I'm looking at it. He would have did it at the draft. That would have been the perfect time when a bunch of teams have a bunch of assets, have more cap space or, or trying to figure out what they're going to do. You can set up sign and trades, more th- more flexibility there for Portland to get a haul back for you. That was the first thing. He didn't do that. He kept saying, hey, I'm going to give you guys another chance You know, at the draft. First of all, let me back up a little bit because first of all, he signed that extension just last year. And I understood it from business-wise, business perspective. He's going to be 36 by the new NBA TV deal, I believe, comes in. And basically, you're securing your money so when you get older, you don't get smaller contracts or whatever the case may be. You don't miss out on that money. I believe it was a two-year, $120 million extension on already on his three years that he already has. So, okay, business-wise, that makes sense. You're taking care of yourself in that manner. I understand that completely. But... Looking at what they had going forward, he was kind of being passive-aggressive, saying, I don't want a youth movement. Well, they drafted Shaden Sharp when he said that. Shaden Sharp's a promising young player. We'll see what he's able to become um, down the line. But what avenues did Portland have to get better realistically? And he kept saying, and everyone kept saying, yo, trade the pick. You guys can get something. You guys can get something like that and basically make a move to get better. And I'm sitting there like, Jeremy Grant's value isn't as high as a as Portland thinks it is to get these trades. So that's why nothing was materializing over that time. Yusuf Nurkic is not a good center on a good contract that you guys can get value for. He's just not the way he's playing, the way he's been injured the past couple of years. And they extended him, I believe, a couple of years ago, which I thought was a wrong move because I just didn't think he was good enough for Portland. But the numbers say otherwise. So, of course, you sign him. You're in Portland. What other options do you have? And that was a false narrative. And they continue on. And I just feel like Dame, this whole passive aggressive thing, not being wanted to be the bad guy. To me, you end up kind of being the bad guy, and it probably would have been better if you were kind of like all the other great players in NBA history in terms of realizing when your team needs help, when your team needs to make a change, and when you need to put pressure on the front office. Now everybody's going to point to LeBron James doing that, trade all the picks, trade all the young guys, we don't need them, we're trying to contend, we're trying to win. And in Portland's case, in Dame's case, he should have done that. Magic Johnson wasn't liking how the way the team was playing in 1980 and got the coach fired. That is what it is. Uh, Shaq wanted the the Orlando Magic to draft Anthony Hardaway over Chris Webber. They drafted Chris Webber but then ended up trading for Anthony Hardaway because their second-year center said, hey, yo, listen to me or I'm going to have to explore my options. And I felt like this was a way that Dame should have done that. Don't say, hey, I don't want a youth movement. No, it should have been, hey, trade these guys and go get me somebody that I can play with now. That's what it should have been. Because you are that good, you're the best player in their franchise history over Clyde Drexler, which some people might disagree because he got to the finals, et cetera, et cetera. He played on vastly better teams, more talent. But that probably would have been the best move. Just sitting there and going, yo, I don't want a youth movement. Trade these guys now these guys like yo give me somebody to help these guys that should have did and he did not and by not asking, and the reason why i say he should have asked for the trade demand at the draft is again because more teams have more assets there's more flexibility there they can do sign-in trades they can kind of put patchwork a deal that can go on. unless you already knew where you were going mm-hmm. Like I just don't see the avenue where Portland could have got better uh, realistically with your demand there, giving them extra time to try to figure out what they were going to do. I don't think the Jeremy Grant contract would have happened if he said that at the draft. Now they're committed thinking, hey, this guy's a piece here that you wanted, wanted to play with you. You wanted to keep. We're investing in him, meaning we're investing in you. We're trying to make something work. And obviously it's not enough. Now, they said in the IG lives or whatever the case may be, he said Bam was his guy or whatever the case may be. Reports came out that Miami laughed at their offer of the third pick and whatever the case may be for Bam out of bio. So now, just off rip, to me, the third pick is not as valuable as the first pick. It's just not. It's not as valuable as the second pick. It's just not. And that's not saying Scoot Henderson's a bad player or whatever the case may be for the Portland Trail Blazers or whatever. They're going; he's going to develop, and I think he's going to be a good player, especially with him and Shaden Sharp in the backcourt there for Portland going forward. That is the best move for them. But looking at what that draft potentially could have gotten them, the third pick, maybe Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic in the deal, or whatever the case may be, to move it. There was just nothing of value that you were going to get around the league to make you a competitive team in the West. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. And I think that's the thing that kind of just sits there with me. And again, and again, I'm happy for Dame requesting a trade because that's not easy to do, it was necessary. And he's going to be in the bigger stage of being a bigger market and being able to perform with a team that's capable of adding to that team and building a championship roster or a contender, at least at the very least, if you have Dame Lillard on your team with all-stars, you're going to be competitive. That That's just the notion of the, that's just what it is. But the, this thought that people keep saying, Oh, Portland should have traded the pick. They should have traded the guys and, and they would have gotten somebody. And I said, List me a bunch of names of the game changers that would have put Portland in a better position. I've heard Jalen Brown. I've heard Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, a couple other people. And I'm just like, none of those names put you in the front run. It makes you better. It makes you better. But doesn't make you a contender out West. All those names there, Jalen Brown, two guards, three guards, whatever the case may be, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, other guys of that nature that they could have traded for, it doesn't put you in the appalachial arm of the Western Conference. It just doesn't. I'm sorry, it doesn't. Portland, you are a 10 seed for a reason, and I said this in other videos, where it was like he's right there with Luka Doncic, where you're a superstar on a failing team around you, And that's it. Like, so this false misconception where they're like, hey, we could have traded the pick and gotten somebody and did all this other stuff. I just don't see it. Does it make you better than Denver? Let's just say Jalen Brown because I think Jalen Brown's the better player out of all those guys with the most upside right now. Does Dame Lillard and Jalen Brown beat Denver? I don't think so. Do they beat a healthy Memphis team who just added Marcus Smart? John Morant's going to return. Derrick Rose is there. Are they better than Memphis? I don't think so. I I just don't think so. Are they better than Sacramento? I would say yes. They can have a puncher's chance. They can be in that series and be the favorites in that matchup against the Sacramento Kings. But I think the Kings have a puncher's chance. Are they better than the Lakers? I do not think so because Anthony Davis is just too strong. He's just too powerful against that front line. That dynamic is just not going to work. Are you better than even the Clippers who are a clusterfuck of an organization right now with all their injuries? Are you better than the Clippers? And I would say no. (laughs) Are you better than the Suns with Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant and DeAndre, even though they have no bench right now and whatever patchwork of a team that they're putting together over this uh this offseason, are you better than the Suns? No. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six teams that you're not better than? Oklahoma City's right there. Utah Jazz are trying to build something. San Antonio just got Victor Wimbledon, even though they're years away. Are you better than the Pelicans, even though they were without Zion? With a healthy Zion? No. Are you better than them? No. So what trade that you could have made that would have put you in a better position to compete against those teams? You would have just made the playoffs and been a first round exit. Like the majority of your time in Portland has been, that's not winning. That's not competing. There's one thing in the NBA, you're either competing or you bought them out. And if you're not competing, the Portland Trailblazers are doing what they absolutely should do, what they should have done before, was just bottom out. And then Marcus Spears on NBA TV today, NBA uh, Today on ESPN, he was saying how he didn't like, uh, Damian Lillard didn't like how they sat him in March when they were competing for the 10th seat to get into the play-in. And that rubbed them the wrong way at that point in time, and, and they weren't committed to winning and all this other stuff. Let's, let's just let's just put this in play if you were playing. So if you were playing, you probably would have won more games than you should have. You probably would have been a 10 seed. You probably would have been in the play-in. Are you beating Oklahoma City? I don't think so. Are you beating Minnesota Timberwolves? I don't think so. Are you beating the Lakers? I don't think so. So you basically would have just been a play-in exit, first-round exit, whatever the case may be, best-case scenario, a first-round exit. That ruins your lottery pick chances. So that third pick that Portland tanked for and now is in a a, a position to rebuild their roster, that doesn't happen if you play. They're stuck. (laughs) Meaning if you would have played, you would have had probably a late lottery pick and there would still be nothing that you could have traded with that pick and player to bring in help if you would have stayed. So what was the options that you were looking for at that point in time? So something just seems fishy to me on that end right there. Like, what was the end game there? Like, if you wanted to go to Miami before, like you could have said that before the draft, and Miami would have been all over it, most likely even more now, and would have had more assets, would have had, Portland would have been able to to pick their players, they would have been able to facilitate more trades, a three-team deal. Whatever the case may be, you would have had more options on the plate for Portland as an organization. And for you as yourself. But now you waited after the draft. You had a meeting last week. And you still said, hey, I'm going to give you guys a little bit more time. What was the move that Portland could have made in order to suffice you staying there, you wanting to be there? There's nothing they could have done. And the writing was on the wall for a long time. So... I call bullshit. And that's the problem here. And I think people are are playing the angle of, oh, it's Damian Lillard. He's been preaching loyalty. He's wanted to work in Portland. And that might have been true. I can understand it from that standpoint. But at some point, we got to be honest. We got to be honest. You weren't going to win in Portland. It just wasn't going to happen. And I said that since 2016, I believe, when they lost to the Pelicans. That was the last chance for the Portland Trailblazers for me. I was like, they got to break this up. There's no way that they can turn it around. And they ended up getting to the Western Conference Finals the next year. But again, in that point in time, I thought it was fool's goal. I was like, they're not going to be able to compete. This is not really what it's supposed to be. But again, just looking at the Damian Lillard situation, again, I'm happy that he's finally asked for a trade and getting out of there. But the way that the lead up was, it just didn't sit right with me. just doesn't sit right with me. You screwed over the Portland Trailblazers with that because they would have been able to get more assets, probably been able to put something better together for them. And now they only have a couple options, right? They have the Miami Heat angle, probably Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson. Every team needs shooters. They can probably bring those guys in and then trade them if they need to. Maybe have a good showing in Portland. Maybe those guys look good and maybe you're able to flip them. Maybe that's the option there. Brooklyn, of course, with. I just don't see it happening. I think the only place he's going either going is Miami, or I said Philly, because I'm like James Harden wants out. Maybe they can facilitate a three-team deal, send James Harden where he needs to go, get some picks, whatever the case may be. But yeah, Dame, I just don't, I just don't see how there was a real realistic way of Portland making a move that would have been enough to keep you there and make you competitive. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. That's just not realistic. It's just not. It's just not. And I I said it again, Portland should have broke this up a long time ago. Probably 2018, he probably should have been looking around and been like, yo, I'm I'm leaving. And yes, I understand it's tough. I understand it's tough, especially for him, what he's built there and what he's done. But at some point in time, you got to realize it ain't going to work. Clyde Drexler did it in 95. He was in Portland for a long time, too. And it just wasn't going to work. It just wasn't going to work. <laughs> That's the nature of the business. Some teams have a better opportunity to bring guys in that be able to help. Portland is not one of those guys, even though they had a run in the, the, the early 90s. They had a run in the late 90s trying to put something together. But realistically, they weren't better than the Lakers at that point in time. They weren't better than the Pistons in the early '90s. So, looking at that track record of that team, the only reason, the only way that they can do it is by draft picks. And you saying that you don't want a youth movement kind of puts them in a clusterfuck because now they're overpaying free agents. They're overpaying players that aren't don't fit the metric of that to appease you. What did you want them to do? Mm-hmm. So that's where I am on the Damian little situation. Again, happy he's getting out of there, but it's like you could have handled that a little bit better. Everybody, All the parties involved could have handled that better, but I think he screwed over the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Let's go to our next topic here. A new look at the Lakers' new roster, retooling the Lakers via free agency. Um, Bunch of big moves for the Lakers here. Um, Really putting together a good team over the the course of free agency. And when we – especially me, I didn't think they had enough money to do some of these moves, but they were able to make smart moves, able to bring in some guys on minimum deals to basically boost their – Uh, value when the time comes in a couple years with the TV deal, which I think people are not mentioning and not paying attention to how much money that TV deal is going to be, which allows these teams to get these guys right now and willing to take these small-time deals to get a chance at getting big money when that deal comes in. Um, But Austin Reeves was, they were able to resign Austin Reeves, bring him back after the good season that he's had last year, uh, this past season. And it's just like, why didn't a team come in and offer him a higher amount of money and put the pressure on the Lakers there. And they, they would have been stuck. <laughs> the Lakers would have been able to continue to make minimum deals. Right there. They wouldn't have been able to sign Austin Reeves in that case, but he comes back. Um, D'Angelo Russell comes back on a two year, $37 million deal, which was interesting because, you know, the, all that time when they were sitting there saying they were going to, people were alluding to that. They were going to get rid of D'Angelo Russell, that Kyrie Irving was coming once Kyrie Irving signed that deal yesterday, there was no way he was coming back. He was no. There was no way he was coming back to the Lakers. There was no way he was coming to the Lakers. Sorry. So now you got D'Angelo Russell here. Um, and I believe the second year is a team option. So he's basically playing for this season and seeing if he can get to another contract again. Um, they signed Cam Ruddish from Portland, two years, $4.5 million. Torian Prince from Minnesota, one year, $4 million. And Jackson Hayes surprisingly, I thought he would have been able to get more money in free agency, but two years, $4.5 million out there to fill up the Lakers roster. And now looking at this, I, and also they got Gabe Vincent the other day. I don't want to leave that out for three years, $33 million. But the thing that's interesting here is that the Lakers did add shooting. You know, you got Gabe Vincent, you got Cam Reddish, if he can hit the shot, you got and Prince, he can shoot it a little bit. So that at least boosts their three-point shooting around Anthony Davis, and around LeBron makes sense from that standpoint. Jackson Hayes provides a a good energy, a good backup big there. That's awesome. I I think that's awesome for the Lakers there. Um, But I'm just looking at this roster and I'm like, you made these moves basically to retool, put yourselves in a better position, add a little bit more shooting around you. Now the question becomes, are you better? Are you good enough to at least get to the Western Conference Finals again? And are you better, these moves put you in a better position to beat the Los Angeles Lakers? I mean, to beat the Denver Nuggets, the NBA champions of last year. Does that make you good enough? And looking at it, I don't think so. Is there anything that changes the Lakers team from last year to this year that makes it an impactful move? You add a little bit more depth, a little bit more NBA players, right? That's what they did last season. Did you get better defensively? Maybe Torian Prince is able to do some things there. You added some shooting with some much-needed shooting desperately. But are you better than Denver? And I'm going to say no because they don't have – a lot of teams don't have an answer for Nikola Jokic. That's just the real of it. But I don't think this team has fixed that problem, so no. No. Are you better than, are you, did you solve a Jamal Murray problem? I don't think so either because none of those guys are going to be able to guard Jamal Murray. So those are two strikes against you. The the saving grace is that Denver lost Bruce Brown to Indiana. They lost Jeff Green to the Houston Rockets, which I'll get into later. But. I don't think that makes them better I think it gives them a little bit more av- a little bit more pathway on offense there to open up their offense a little bit and able to hit some shots and be able to win on this break. yeah so do the Lakers did that put them in a better position yes did that put them in a position to win position to win I don't think so I don't think they're I don't think they're Better than Denver. I still don't think they're better than Memphis. People just look over Memphis because of the whole John Moran situation. Completely understand that. Um, Brandon Clark was hurt. Steven Adams was hurt in that. John Moran got hurt in that series, I believe. But John Moran went on a tear. Desmond Bain, those guys are tough. Jaron Jackson Jr., those guys are tough. So now they just added Marcus Smart. They just added Derrick Rose. Brandon Clark's coming back. Steven Adams is coming back. Jaron Jackson's going to be better. John Morant's going to have some rest, being now 25 games. So are you better than Memphis? Anthony Davis and LeBron James, of course, give you a shot, but I don't know if you guys are better than Memphis, especially with the addition of Marcus Smart. You know Marcus Smart's going to be in there trying to guard Anthony Davis or do anything in the, a series right there and try to get underneath LeBron's skin or whatever the case may be. But I just don't think they have a drama ran answer either. You're better than the Kings. Are you going to be better than this retooled Warriors? You're going to be right around there. Are you going to be able to hold the firepower of the Suns? I don't know. The Lakers are better. I'm not going to sit here. I'm a Lakers hater, of course. But I just don't think you guys are better than a couple of teams out West. I think you guys put yourselves in a better position. And everyone's kind of being there like, oh, they're giving themselves a real chance to get to the finals. And I'm just like, I think people need to respect Denver. And I think people are going to try to forget Denver because the Lakers made a couple moves here. But nah, I just don't think they're better than the Denver Nuggets, the Memphis Grizzlies, whatever the Suns are doing. There's a couple other teams out there that I think are still better than the Lakers right now. And of course, you got LeBron a year older. You got Anthony Davis, who's always going to be injury prone. Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves were big pickups for were big uh fines for them last year in terms of production. We're gonna see what that Gabe Vincent can replicate that, what he's done in Miami, outplaying his contract, of course, getting that deal from the Lakers. He's gonna be a productive player. He's an NBA player. Cam Reddish, is he gonna be able to find his shot? Wasn't able to find it in Atlanta, wasn't able to find it in New York, didn't have enough time in Portland. So that's a flyer to me. I don't think that's a just a hammer in that he's going to be as productive. Torian Prince is a nice, solid player, a veteran that you can rely on. Jackson Hayes is a young player who gets into some trouble. Like, does that make you guys
1: better? Yes,
0: I think it does make you better offensively because of the shooting and potential offensive power that they have now. But in terms of defensively, and what these other teams are doing out west I just don't think they're better than those teams. Do they give themselves a punch of chance? Of course in the playoffs you never want to go against LeBron James, but yeah, I just don't think I just don't think you guys are better than Denver. That's the main thing. That's what you guys have to overcome. Are you better than the best player in the league? Can your team beat the best player in the league? Can your team beat the best duo in the league right now? Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. I don't think so. So we're going to see what the Lakers are able to do there, continue to build and add to their team and see what they look like at the start of next season. Had some nice pieces, additional pieces that they added, but I just don't think they're better than Denver. Let's get into some rookie extensions that have happened over the over the past couple of hours. Um LaMelo Ball resigning with Extending with the Charlotte Hornets for five years, $260 million. Of course, there's some incentives and some boosts there um, that they put up there. And, of course, the Monte Sabonis extension with the Sacramento Kings, five years, $217 million. Um, but let's start on LaMelo Ball. Um, this guy has been up and down in terms of health reasons. Uh, let me just give me one second here. Uh, He's been down in health reasons. Uh, Give me one second. Let's start that over. Right. So you got this kid, LaMelo Ball, who is an exciting young player for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Playmaking ability out the wazoo, high volume score. Um, Not the most efficient, but he can shoot it really well. And play in a certain way, that's just, he's an offensive guard. He's a taller Trey Young, in my opinion. He's going to get there at some point. But his passing is what separates him for a little bit there with the talent there where I can see them taking a risk on this, uh, on LaMelo Ball. But his injury history is the only thing I have a a little scare here with, especially he only played, he played 75 games the previous season, but he only played 36 this past season. So, of course, with those ankle and chin injuries and stuff like that, uh, that's the only cause of concern. But if those, if those things are in in check, I think that's going to be an exciting pickup for the Charlotte Hornets. They have a guy there that they get, like have dubbed their franchise guy uh, by default. He's the only young guy there that's that elite level, I think, that can get to that elite level. Um, and there's no question I believe he's going to be good with his passing and his shooting and stuff like that. That's going to get better. His decision-making, of course, all that stuff is going to happen overnight. But – um, we're going to see what Charlotte's able to build around this kid, right? Like LaMelo Ball's highlight factory, him and Miles Bridges, who is still an a, a unrestricted free agent at some point, of course, because of um, the domestic abuse situation that he had. And he's going to work his way back into the league. At some point, I believe somebody's going to take a chance on him. Maybe it's going to be Charlotte trying to work him back in. But um, that was a highlight factory. <laughs> that was an absolute highlight factor, what he was able to do down there. And if Hornets are smart, they're going to continue to keep building around that. Mark Williams is down there as well. He continue to develop as a big man. Uh, we'll see if they're going to be able to bring back P.J. Washington at what number, if they can bring him back. Um, but at least they have their franchise stalwart right now and LaMelo Ball. Um, we'll see what they do roster-wise with Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward and see if they can get some picks there. That was the smart move I would think that would be for the Charlotte Hornets if they're able to do that. Um, but we'll see. Uh, moving on to Demontis Sabonis. Uh, five years, two hundred seventy-five million dollars, uh, two hundred seventeen million dollars. Sorry, there with bonus incentives and stuff like that. Um, I believe is one hundred and ninety-five guaranteed there. So five years, one hundred and ninety-five million dollars for Demonte Sabonis. Um, I think it's well deserved for him as well. Especially again, people are ignoring this new TV deal and they're kind of baffled at all these guys getting paid. But again, remember this is the normal course of the NBA. You guys aren't going to like what Paulo Banchero makes. Just the nature of the beast, right? Like guys are going to get paid in this league. (laughs) That's the nature of the beast. Guys are going to get paid, period. They're going to get paid. The salary caps are going to go up. People are watching basketball, streaming basketball, looking for YouTube clips, looking for TikTok clips. People are watching basketball. NBA players are going to get paid. You cannot get mad at guys getting paid. I'm just going to say that. Um, Demonta Sabonis, um, all star caliber player, good passer, good, good scorer, um, plays hard and, and, and is a real offensive hub in that Sacramento Kings offense. Of course, everything mainly runs through De'Aaron Fox, but he's a vital part to what they do. And to have De'Aaron Fox on a contract, to have De'Aaron Sabonis, at least you know you got two guys that you can rely on, lean on, and continue to build around those guys. They have Keegan Murray. We'll see what happens with Malik Monk. Um, they're continuing to build. And I think that's really good for Sacramento to have those two guys there and play in that playoff well off each other and um, able to continue to do that. Um, we'll see whatever the Kings are able to do. Um, they have a bunch of cash space that they're trying to figure out what to do with. And it's like, are they uh, in a move to trade for somebody? Mm-hmm. Are, are, they in a, in, are, are they in a position to trade for somebody big? Add somebody via free agency who we're not thinking about. Um, let me see who's left there for the Kings here. Here we go. Who's left out there potentially for the Kings that can get Eric Gordon's out there, Malik Beasley, Will Barton, Christian Wood, Kelly Oubre. So there's a lot of other guys out there that are still out there pending um, that the Kings can add to this, but at least they have the Sabonis, they have the Fox, and those two are the latest extensions there. Um Let's move on to free agency day two, some actual moves that were actually made, um, big time moves that are changing the trajectory of this couple of teams here. Houston Rockets were very, 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 very busy today um, getting uh, Dylan Brooks four years, $80 million in a sign and trade. I believe that's going to be executed with Memphis. Um, Dylan Brooks was a question marks in free agency because people were like, we don't know what his value is around the league. We don't know if they're going to be able to build, if he's going to be able to have offers. (laughs) That's how people thought how bad it was in Memphis last year, especially with the whole LeBron thing, poke the bear, all this stuff going on with Dylan Brooks, where he kind of got a bad rap. And I'm like, I'm always going to respect a guy like that just for the simple fact of he's going to compete, wears hard on the sleeve, he's going to go out there and battle. He's not afraid of anything. And did he shoot himself in the foot? Yes, but so what? This is like I would rather have a guy that's going to compete and battle rather than a guy that's just going to be quiet and keel over, right? So at least he battled. So I'm going to give him the credit for that. The four years, eighty million dollars—that's that's different. <laughs> I don't think he was in that range. If he's getting that money, and then of course I talked to some Celtics people, it's like, what's it? Some Celtics fans, it's like, yo, what's Grant Williams going to get? <laughs> is there going to be a team out there that goes and throw a bag at him, roughly around that? And, and and bring him over. But starting with Dylan Brooks, he fits into that Houston Rockets mold where they're kind of just trying to get veterans around this young core around Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, Jr., um, Jabari Smith and uh Cengun. So getting those guys like Van, Fred Van Fleet, um, they added Jeff Green there for one year, six million dollars. That's a guy that also added. Um, they also added Patty Mills. And there's somebody else I'm forgetting. uh Jock uh, Joc Landell. There is also on that list there at four years, $32 million. So they're just trying to get some veterans and some guys that are actually NBA players around this young Houston core. Um, We'll see what happens with that. But Dylan Brooks found a home, found a bag. And of course, and again, I think people are getting a little crazy with these uh, NBA numbers. And they're like, well, why are these teams doing this? Because these teams have to spend money within 10 percent of the cap or there's penalties for that. So you have to be in it to you have to actually spend some money here and there's nothing wrong with spending a little overpaying here because they're just trying to build their roster, build their team and see who they can keep going forward. And actually building a team that's kind of tough, like, right, like multiple guys that can switch multiple guys that can play uh shoot the three ball, three and D guys penetration with uh, uh, Jalen green and Kevin Porter jr. Jabbar Smith is a good guy that battles on both ends. Hopefully, his offense can get better this in the upcoming year. And Tyler Seguin is a is a promising player, a tough player there for Houston. So I like what Houston's doing, building some stuff there. Um, they were. Uh, I'll get into the next guy, but um, Dante DiVincenzo Vincenzo going to New York, uh, four years, fifty million dollars hooking up with uh, uh, Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson from Villanova. <laughs> I think Josh Hart reached out to uh, uh, Mikael Bridges saying, hey, man, <laughs> we, we're, we're the Villanova boys are back. But um, I think that's a nice move for the New York Knicks, getting them a backup guard of R.J. Barrett and Jalen Brunson. Got guy that can play, make a little bit, score a little bit there. so." That's a nice move for the Knicks. Uh, People are not happy that they traded Obi Toppin to the Indian Pacers, which is another shocker. I didn't think that was a smart move. And especially for the value that they got him only at two second-round picks, I feel like they could have gotten a little bit more for him, and they didn't. Um, But the New York Knicks trying to figure it out. They're adding Dante DiVincenzo. They lose Obi Toppin. Maybe there was something with the contract situation where they saw it in the year, and they're just like, let's get Dante DiVincenzo on a lower number. And work it that way. That's what I think the Knicks were trying to do, watch their cap space, um, add a little couple more assets. So I think it's that way for the Knicks. They're going to continue to build around Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, and Julius Randle, who people apparently don't like, especially Stephen A. Smith. But um we'll see what the Knicks are able to do. Um, moving on to Brooke Lopez, two years, $48 million there, going back to Milwaukee, a must for... The Milwaukee Bucks who are looking to keep Giannis onto the Kumbo, keep this team around him. They signed Chris Middleton the other day, 102 for three 102 million for three years. Um, adding Burke Lopez, keeping him, especially that defensive tandem that was there. The Milwaukee Bucks probably would have had a better showing in the, the playoffs if Giannis didn't get hurt. Um, but yeah, I don't see them breaking up that core there just because um Giannis got hurt last year that's a that's a crazy injury there I don't think you break up that core I think Brooke Lopez was having a little uh, people thought that he was going to go to Houston which I thought would have been nice there um for Houston and of course building what they're trying to build and have a veteran like that and a guy that can spread the floor for those young guys um being a doll in the room of course I thought that would have been a good move for the Houston Rockets but he's staying in Milwaukee so um, continuing to keep that Star Wars defense that was there last season, when I think it was best in the league last year. Um, keeping him, he can still shoot the ball, still spread the floor, open up things for Giannis on the offensive end. So that's good for the Milwaukee Bucks, and especially to keep that core together going forward. Um, George Niang goes to Cleveland for a year, thirty-two million dollars. A shooter, they desperately needed shooting last year, uh, last year which they did not have. They added Max Strus, George Niang, trying to patchwork a three-point shooting three-and-D team. Um, where Isaac O'Carroll was struggling where they lost Kevin Love last year and um, trying to continue to build there. Uh, Russell Westbrook, who I was joking, coming to the Celtics, <laughs> I was joking with some guys. I'm like, yo, he's coming to the Celtics, he's gonna be here, watch, watch, and joking there. That was more wishful thinking because, of course, I am mean, a Russell Westbrook fan, but he stays in California, uh, two year, eight million dollar deal. Um, good for Russell Westbrook. I feel like that's something that the Clippers needed to do, especially how he played last year, especially towards the end of the season for them. He got all the bad rap, of course, because he didn't fit in L.A., didn't really shoot the ball really well. I think he was average with the Clippers, though. I think he was 35% shooting with the Clippers, though, and were roughly around 20 points per game. And in the playoffs, he had 23 points, especially with Kawhi and Paul George um, injury there. But he played well for them, and I think that's a good, nice low signing for them. Um, and the Clippers got to figure out what they're doing else roster wise, uh, especially with that team there, um, especially with the options of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard coming up. Um, so they got some moves to make and some uh, uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do franchise wise. And looking at the Clippers, are they going to resign those guys and continue to build around them, or are they going to tear it all down and rebuild? And I think a lot of people are humming around the league saying, "Yo, let those guys walk." Um. Come player option time, let those guys walk and figure it out because you're going to have at least all that cap space. You're at least going to have cap space if those guys walk. Um, they traded all their picks, of course, in that Paul George deal. But or maybe you can do a sign and trade and get some assets back. And I think that's the smarter thing to do. But we'll see what the Clippers are able to do there with that team. And going forward, as we continue to move on through free agency, we'll see what happens with the Damian Lillard situation. Of course, uh, we'll see what happens with the James Harden situation in Philly. Uh, again, which I said, hey, yo, just trade James Harden for Damian Lillard and then find a third team to send James Harden to. Mm-hmm. That is basically what I would do. Um, but let's continue here um, looking at free agency day two. A, a lot of things happening, especially with the Dame situation. Um, and we'll see what happens over the course of free agency here because it's going to continue to get better. There's still a lot of guys out there that I just named Eric Gordon, Malik Beasley, Will Barton, Christian Wood. Who I think should be on a team somewhere. I think I think he got a bad rap in Dallas a little bit there. Um, we'll see if he's able to find a team. Lonnie Walker, Kendrick Nunn. There's a couple guys here on this list here. Um, Miles Bridges, of course. Terrence Davis has been flirting with Boston a little bit. I wouldn't be mad at that addition there. Um, Justice Winslow, Matisse Thybul, P.J. Washington. Of course, I talked with the Hornets. Uh, Grant Williams is there, so we'll, we'll see. There's a couple guys out there. I think that I think a lot of teams might be in a situation where they're going to be trading. Um, rather than signing guys because they don't really have cap room. Um, so I think that's mainly going to happen. A little couple of trays there. Um, I think uh, a couple of teams got some trays there. I think uh, I forgot about Thomas Bryant. He went to the Heat as well. Um, so the center that played for the Lakers and went to the Denver Nuggets and became a champion, and now he's in Heat culture. Now he's with the Miami Heat. Um, so it's going to be interesting going to see how this plays out over free agency. Summer league. Summer league starts. When the summer league summer league starts Friday, and I think they do the Salt Lake City one in Orlando one in this on the sixth. So we'll see what happens. But summer league is there. Uh, basketball does not stop. WNBA is picking up as well. Um, but that will do it for this episode of episode fifty-five free agency day two. Um, we'll see what happens going over the course of the week. Um, summer league starting, so I'll probably touch on that. I'll continue to do some things. I'm thinking about a, a little uh, different playlist there, uh, soapbox summer on my YouTube page. Um, basically, just a whatever I want to talk about basketball, basketball wise, that's outside of the regular season and last season and stuff like that. I'm going to try to move away from that, unless there's trades or other signings that happen over the course of the season. But um, we'll see what happens with that. But that's this. That will do it for episode 55 of the basketball soapbox. Thank you for joining me, and until next time.